0: She's pretty largely forgotten by the community, although she basically gave her life for the community, living with HIV and being openly trans and using all kinds of media to communicate her message of trans empowerment and trans joy. Act we know we're under attack. This is part of the culture wars. We have to find our community, and together we can fight back and act up just like she did back in the day.
1: We are now kick ass bitches because of Connie.
2: to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chappelle. Taiwan upgrades status for most foreign same-gender spouses. Scotland and the UK clash over transgender rights and the AIDS diva doc keeps Connie Norman's legend alive. Those stories and more this week now that you've chosen This Way Out.
3: I'm Joe Bainline, and I'm Ava Davis. With NewsWrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending January twenty-first, twenty twenty-three. Taiwan's Ministry of the Interior has abruptly reversed course on civil marriage rights. The January nineteenth rule change recognizes binational same-gender couples, even if the non-Taiwanese spouse's homeland does not. The ban on binational couples registering their marriages came through an Interior Ministry directive soon after the passage of marriage equality legislation. That 2019 law made Taiwan the first in Asia to open the civil institution to queer couples. The lone exception now is China. Government officials cited national security concerns for the exemption, The Taipei Administrative High Court has ruled in favor of five binational couples since March of 2021. Local household registration offices were ordered to legally register their marriages. The cases involved Taiwanese citizens and their same-gender partners from Hong Kong, Japan, Macau, Malaysia, and Singapore. It's not yet clear if marriages involving partners from Hong Kong and Macau will be part of the China exclusion. Victoria Xu is with the Taiwan Alliance to Promote Civil Partnership Rights. She joins several advocacy groups to applaud the policy change in a Taiwan Plus news interview posted to YouTube.
2: Many transnational same-sex couples were forced to separate because they could not get married. And now they will have the option to get married and start a family in Taiwan. Um, this is a very important change in the lives of these people and, of course, a, uh, a huge progress towards equality.
3: Activists celebrated while vowing to push for Taiwanese citizens and their Chinese partners to someday be able to register their marriages.
1: Scotland's gender recognition reform bill is being blocked by the United Kingdom in a move that calls into question just how united the Kingdom really is. British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak announced this week that his Conservative Party government would halt implementation of the law. It would allow trans people 16 or older to change their legal gender on government IDs by a simple declaration and without a previously required medical diagnosis of gender dysphoria. The bill passed in the Scottish Parliament in December by an overwhelming 86 to 39 majority. However, UK Secretary of State for Scotland, Alistair Jack, cites Section 35 of the Scotland Act of 1998 to justify denying the measure its usually routine royal assent. Jackson's statement explains that he is concerned that this legislation would have an adverse impact on the operation of Great Britain-wide equalities legislation. Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon warns that the unprecedented action could spark a constitutional crisis. She told the UK's TV Channel 4.
2: So if there is a decision to challenge... I think it will be uh, using trans people, already one of the most vulnerable, stigmatised groups in our society, as a political weapon and I think that will be unconscionable. If the UK government is able to normalise action to block legislation democratically passed by the Scottish Parliament within our areas of competence on this issue, then that will embolden them to look to do it on other issues and we will be on a very, very slippery slope indeed.
1: Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland are part of the United Kingdom, but each has its own semi-autonomous government with broad powers, including over health care. Critics see the controversy as new fuel for the Scottish nationalists' drive to succeed from the United Kingdom and become a fully independent nation.
3: The Dutch Senate passed a measure this week to expand discrimination protection to cover LGBTQ and disabled people. The updated Article 1 of the Netherlands' constitution outlaws discrimination on the basis of religion, belief, political opinion, race, gender, disability, sexual orientation, or on any other basis. After winning approval in the Senate by a 56-15 vote, the measure goes to King Willem-Alexander for his royal assent. Finally, it will be formally announced with new laws in the government's official Staatskurrant publication. The Netherlands is recognized as a protector of queer rights since becoming the first country in the world to open civil marriage to same-gender couples in 2001. Still, anti-queer discrimination, violence, and bullying persist, especially in schools. Changing the Constitution required several votes in both chambers of the Dutch legislature over the course of several national elections. It has taken activists 12 years to reach the goal, The venerable Dutch advocacy group COC Nederland calls it a historic victory for the rainbow community. Disability activists also hailed the expansion of constitutional anti-discrimination
1: protections. The European Court of Human Rights is ordering Russia to legally recognize same-gender unions. Three queer couples challenged their country's refusal to allow them access to civil marriage. The Russian Family Code defines the institution as a voluntary marital union between a man and a woman. The court's January 18th decision says that Russia is required to make marriage, or its equivalent, available to same-gender couples under Article 8 of the European Convention on Human Rights. Russia was kicked out of the Council of Europe last year after Vladimir Putin launched his unprovoked war on the people of Ukraine. Russia withdrew as a signatory to the European Convention on Human Rights a few months later claiming the right to establish its own laws without outside interference. It has never abided by an EU court ruling. Meanwhile, Russian agencies are using the hammer and sickle on LGBTQ-related content online and any other media under the enhanced No Promo Homo law. Several famous queer-themed films have been beaten and slashed from Russian streaming services, including Call Me By Your Name and Brokeback Mountain. Lawmakers expanded the ban on the depiction of non-traditional sexual relations in December. It had only applied to Russian minors and foreign visitors.
3: A gay man has won his job discrimination lawsuit in the Court of Justice of the European Union. Freelance audiovisual editor Jakub Kuczynski charged that Polish state broadcaster TVP cut him loose after he and his husband were featured in a video celebrating same-gender couples. Based on the EU Workplace Equality Directive, the court ruled that sexual orientation cannot be a reason to refuse to conclude a contract with a self-employed worker. Poland bans employment bias based on sex, race, ethnicity, or nationality, but LGBTQ workers are not protected. Right wing politicians have walked cheek by jowl with the nation's politically powerful Roman Catholic Church to quash recent legislative proposals to add queer people to those protections. The Euro Court ruling sends the case back to a Warsaw court, which had asked it for guidance. The Polish court is supposed to issue a final judgment based on the Euro Court's ruling. There's no indication as to when that might happen.
1: A U.S. federal judge has ruled that religiously-affiliated colleges and universities can discriminate against LGBTQ students. This, despite provisions of Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972 that banned sex-based discrimination by federally-funded educational institutions. Judge Ann Aiken of the U.S. District Court for the District of Oregon sympathized with the students who challenged Department of Education exemptions from non-discrimination requirements. She still dismissed their lawsuit against their religious schools. Aiken decided the plaintiffs could not prove that Congress specifically intended to be discriminatory with the religious exemptions in Title IX. Some of the plaintiffs charged that they were denied admission to or were expelled from religiously affiliated universities because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. Some claimed that the institutions demanded they undergo the debunked practice of conversion therapy. The far-right legal alliance-defending freedom represented religiously-affiliated educational institutions in the case. Their attorneys chaired the judges' rulings in defense of their so-called religious liberty. The Religious Exemptions Accountability Project represented the students. The legal group is considering whether or not to appeal.
3: Finally, transgender existence is being eradicated by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. Its harsh new gender identity policies for all its parishes and schools forbid students using puberty blockers or dressing in their preferred gender. Trans people must use sex-segregated locker rooms and bathrooms that match their birth certificate gender in churches or schools. Staff is barred from respecting a student's preferred pronouns the restrictions are binding for the diocese's 80 parishes, 17 schools, and 130,000 congregants, according to Bishop William Johnson. The trans-erasing policies have been roundly scorned. Several local faith leaders joined LGBTQ activist groups to condemn the edict. The Interfaith Alliance of Iowa called it dangerous and said that it promotes bigotry. Democratic State Senator Claire Selsey wrote on Facebook that the rules codify ostracism of transgender kids. She pointedly asserted this is not what Jesus would do.
1: That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude. For the week ending January 21st, 2023, follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community.
3: News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappell. Produced by Brian DeShazer and brought to you by you.
1: Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm Ava Davis. Stay healthy.
3: And I'm Joe Bainline. Stay safe.
4: I've got a sweet soup, licorice drops and jelly roll. Hey, Sugar Daddy. Some sugar in his bowl. Hi, this is John Cameron Mitchell, the writer-director of Hedving the Angry Inch and Short Bus. And you're listening to This Way Out, the international weekly radio magazine for all our sexually diverse communities.
2: Our listeners support This Way Out in many ways.
4: By subscribing to our e-newsletter. Email us at info at And through your financial contributions to our program.
1: More information about how you can give is online at thiswayout.org.
4: Thank you.
2: got mad as hell all right, and trans activist Connie Norman took it to the streets as an iconic presence in the Los Angeles chapter of ACT UP, the AIDS coalition to unleash power. A legend in her own time, her fame was fading until filmmakers Dante Alancostra and John Johnston captured her story in the award-winning documentary AIDS Diva, The Legend of Connie Norman. This Way Out's Brian DeShazer wanted to know how the director and the researcher conceived their project.
4: Dante, let's uh, start with you. What motivated you to begin this film?
0: I think it's my experience with uh, telling stories about our community, especially specifically about the trans community in LA and uh, in Peru, where I'm from. Uh, I had done already a film about a trans Latina woman who's a leader of the community here in LA. And then I did something about a a teenager who's a future leader. So when a friend of Connie's uh, tapped me in the back five years ago and said to me, you should make a film about my friend Connie Norman. I had heard about Connie Norman. Uh, I didn't know even if she was Caucasian because I had focused on trans Latina experiences. And uh, when John and I researched who Connie Norman was, we saw two videos and I was like, who is she? And you know, how come now, you know, she's been largely forgotten by the community, although she basically gave her life for the community, living with HIV and being openly trans and using all kinds of media, you know, um, video, newspapers, um, you know, radio, everything to to uh, communicate her message of trans empowerment and trans joy and being a woman living with HIV so I think after we found out that one of her friends who's in the film Peter Cashman had videotaped her and filmed her at every facet of her eight year uh, expand that they had the friendship before she passed away in 96 I thought that's that's a film I wanted to make a historical film that I wanted to be relevant and resonant. And I wanted Connie to speak in her own agency. And having all those videos, you know, which was amounted to about 40, 50 hours of videotapes that we had to digitize, uh, we said we have a film, you know, and it's like 85% of the films, just Connie talking about her advocacy, her life, her message to the future generations, you know, her vision of gender. Journey, her body autonomy, all of that. And I thought, we have a film here that is going to be surpassing time and barriers and cultures and languages and all of that.
4: And John, you're the writer and researcher. So you did uh, much of the research in locating the wealth of archival material that came to the film. Could you tell me where you started after you found these particular uh, Tommy's Friends films?
5: Well, I think. I mean the film had has to be what is out there and what we find and what we can kind of piece together from what we found and we did find from Peter a lot of the scenes and behind the scenes kind of things and so a lot of what was added through the interviews of interviewing everyone were clues about where to go and look for things further and what were the themes and so I really went through all of the interviews that we had done and transcribed them and really kind of analyzed them for themes, but also just looking at the archives of what what was around. And I knew there were certain things I wanted to find, like the the gay parade that Connie saw for the first time, where she saw ACT UP for the first time marching by her. And I thought if we could find that imagery. Then it would really tell the story as she was telling the story. It would it would illustrate what she had seen, and we were actually able to find that at the archives. Uh, but a lot of the research was to tell the contextualization of the story, so that you would understand the importance of Connie's story by understanding what context she was in, and that was kind of a very important part of it that we added during the during the pandemic uh, year of working on it uh, of just bringing in her early life before uh, she was an activist when she was in San Francisco and then the kind of really understanding what the trajectory of the AIDS uh era had been and kind of the AIDS activism and what led to the start of ACT UP you know so that just really understanding and having a responsibility to tell that story accurately I think it's one of the things that's made the film resonate with people who really know this history and uh So, you know, I think it correctly, but very briefly, shows what happened around Connie and why Connie was able to act in that context so powerfully.
4: There was something that struck me when she was presenting at uh, UC Santa Barbara, um, her lecture, Mm -hmm. and it it struck me as like, was that the first time I might have heard gender fluidity? Was that the first time I heard about the Two-Spirit? And so,
0: although that's um, well-known today, back then, was that pretty new? It wasn't new. I mean, actually, John knows more about, uh, you know, the fact that Connie was an, a, a voracious reader. And as, as you saw in the film, she also started following in the footsteps of Harry Hay, who was co-founder of the Radical Fairies. When I saw that video, uh, for the first time, I thought, because I have been working with the trans community, and I know that this is something that will really resonate with them. That the trans people have been in existence in the beginning of time, and she had that. She had the presence of mind to be able to tell to mainstream colleges and all her friends that came in front of her to school them of the importance of her identity, you know, and and how fluid it can be. I mean, even I mean, one thing that really touches me about her is the fact that in that. This course at Santa Barbara, she's talking about starting as a very heteronormative trans woman of the 80s and 70s. That was her mindset and learning and, and evolving, which is really, I mean, that's what kids are doing right now. You know, they don't want to be saying that they're one thing or the other, they want the, the evolution, the journey. And she was on that whole path. And I think that really resonates with people nowadays.
4: We are talking with Dante Castro and John Johnston, the uh, director and producer and producer, writer, and researcher of a documentary film called AIDS Diva, The Legend of Connie Norman. Dante, what do you think Connie would be doing today if she were alive?
0: Well, she was, you know, first and foremost, a street activist. She loved being in the streets. And uh, even her last months of being with us, she was still out there, you know, at the memorials, at the marches. And that's one of the things that, you know, I mean, it gives me hope that, you know, like those women in Iran and other places just take to the streets and don't let up. And I think we need more of that. You know, we need more of that. You know, she actually deputizes; us. We are our own leaders. You know, we don't need leaders. We don't need politicians to lead us. We don't need any of that. We know we're under attack. This is part of the culture wars. And then we have to find our community and together we can start saying we had enough, you know, and fight back and act up just like she did back in the day. Yesterday we went to the Transgender Day of Remembrance in West Hollywood. And I read some of the names. There were so many, Brian. And it's only in the ones that we know about and the ones that happened in the U.S. You know, there were at least 40 names that we had to read of young people and women of color, trans women of color, trans men, people that have committed suicide because of you know insistent bullying, you know. There was people who were murdered by their own parents, you know, their lovers, their friends, strangers. So this is, it, it's almost a, a, an epidemic in their own right. You know, and Connie would be out there outraged and trying to, you know, Inside people and galvanize people to take to the back to the streets until things change.
4: I take it as a positive that there's a film called AIDS Diva, The Legend of Connie Norman, because you, Dante, and John are using the media in a positive way to show the power of what Connie did. Um, And This Way Out Radio is also another medium of media that we are using to distribute our message and our perspective and LGBTQ voices on our own without. intervention of another media um you know mogul or a leader or a, a you know the top down thing so we're very proud of this way out and we're very proud of AIDS Diva, the legend of connie norman
1: connie used every possible to amplify her messages. I mean, I imagine she would have a million Twitter followers today.
4: I'm going to be talking about it with the rich heritage and the culture of the gay and lesbian community. She was very caring. She was extremely funny. Why is Uh, it that heterosexuals have lives and gay and lesbian (laughs) people have (laughs) lifestyle? I think it's queer lives, honey. And she was very angry. That was the night when we had experienced the most extreme betrayal by the governor of this state, and under those circumstances, I can understand.
0: The quality that she had that was so distinctive and that got to people was her honesty, just blatant honesty.
3: We have sensationalized the issues of AIDS because it's connected to our sexuality as human beings, and we've done a lot of finger-pointing. I want to take some of the finger-pointing away.
0: Connie had to learn the language of government the language of bureaucracy the language of regulation the language of lawyers and doctors and healthcare workers in order to communicate with them as somebody living
4: with hiv and aids connie was just relentless in fighting for future generations to my congressman i would say you vote wrong
3: and you won't win again if you don't start showing some leadership
5: there is a
1: link through time between social movements for progressive change. She would get a hoot out of who we are today. We are now kick-ass bitches because of Connie.
4: I know it's a big crowd, but I need all the drag queens, all the butch dykes, all the leather dudes and leather dude dancers that can get up here to get up here. Listen up, Pete. I am a transsexual with HIV disease. I'm an ex-drag queen, ex-drug addict. I did it, I got it, and I'm dealing with it. Thank you, Dante Alan Costra and John Johnston, for joining us here on This Way Out. And good luck to you with your film. Uh, where can people find it to um, view it?
0: Right now, we're only doing uh, events like the one you uh, you went to yesterday. We're uh, we're really focusing on getting together with community and creating safe space as safe as we can make them to be. But I think the dialogue that happens, uh, you know, during the Q and A's and afterwards, you know, when we're like in the in the in the lobby, just talking to People, young people, older people, people who knew Connie, survivors of HIV, you know, activists from a long time ago, from the present. I think that's, you know, incalculable. So in our website, you can reach out to us and ask us to call a screening in your community, in your college, in your organization. Our website is AIDSDivaConnie.com. So it's very easy to find us. And beyond that, I think maybe at the end of 2023, we'll find a a very special streaming service. It won't be the ones that you heard about where we can share that and hopefully a a public broadcast um, uh, viewing at some point. But right now we're really focusing on the person to person interaction.
4: Right, taking it into the communities and showing it and then having a community engagement is part of the process of, of the film and the activism that both of you are doing and also following in the footsteps and on the shoulders of Connie Norman. So Dante Alan Castra and John Johnston, the director and producer and producer, writer and researcher of AIDS Diva, The Legend of Connie Norman. Thank you so much.
2: I'm Brian DeShazer for This Way Out. That website again is aidsdivacani.com. Thanks for finding This Way Out. Brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Newswrap was reported this week by Joe Bainline and Ava Davis. It was produced by Brian DeShazer, who also produced our featured interview. The Kinks and Nona Hendrix performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This Way Out thanks Margaret Roberts and Richard Merkin, Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. This program exists with the critical support of all our listener donors. Thank you. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For coordinating producer Greg Gordon and the entire This Way Out crew, I'm Lucia Chappelle. Thanks for listening free online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And on WIUP Indiana, Pennsylvania, Radio Phoenix, Internet Radio Phoenix, Arizona, CFMH St. John, New Brunswick, and a wide array of community terrestrial and Internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned, y'all.